Your Health Podcast with Ben Canning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single-source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Yo, okay, so this episode needed a bit of a, an introduction that I had to do after the fact. Um, if any of you have listened to any of the podcasts up until this point, you will have heard me speak quite extensively about Matt. Now, even before the podcast became a thing, I was excited for this episode. Um, as I mentioned in it, you know, Matt is someone that I talk to on a daily basis and I think it was a very cool collaboration between me, Matt and Dave. If you don't follow Matt, I would highly recommend his details will be in the show notes. Matt not only inspires me as a coach, but as a father figure, as a business person and as an all round good human being. Had a lot of fun recording this. I want to apologize for Dave doing the disappearing act two or three times throughout, but there shouldn't be any issues from start to finish. I hope you enjoy and I'll catch you on the other side. Yo, welcome back. Um, this is an episode that I've been looking forward to before we even recorded the first one. For anybody who knows me, I don't really communicate with a lot of people, but both these people I talk to pretty much every single day. Um, I'm going to record an intro so I'm not like getting all emotional with everybody. I'll do it separately and I'll put it before so you will have already heard it. Um, but I'm Ben Canning. Dave Kennedy. Oh, and I'm Matt Peacock. And this is Hacking Your Health. So as we were just discussing there, we don't really have a plan. Um, Matt is a coach and a mentor for other coaches. So I'm going to start there with your sort of journey to what you used to do, why you became a coach and where you're at now. Right, Roger that. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. So let's get down to business. How did I come to be here? Not the way that most people came to be here. Um, in terms of, I spent 10 years in consultant engineering after leaving school, which was fun, actually. It was good fun. It sent me around the world. It was interesting. We, we basically, I made 3D models of buildings in order for them to be built to show the client in advance and in order to build it, which was fantastic. And it was something I was really interested in, but ultimately, like, I think like you and I share a lot of interests and I'm sure Dave, you and I also share a lot of interests, but that just cause you're interested in something doesn't mean that it fulfills you to the degree that you want to spend your life doing it. So I, I 10 years in after two redundancies, I had to just really have a sit down with myself and think like, why am I doing this to myself? Is it is it is it that I really want to spend the rest of my life doing it, or is it just something that I fell into and I felt like I was almost just going through the motions? So, decided after after that period of time to to take a bit of time off and to work out what I wanted to do. So I did my, my personal training qualification. But prior to that, in every office that I was ever in, I was like the fitness guy. I was like the the free office PT that everyone came to. And was like, hey Matt, do you mind if I ask you a quick question? And proceeded to ask not a quick question. Well, they had lots of work to do. And it was always around like they would see me eating something that wasn't 
junk food at lunch, which is completely alien in a corporate world, or refraining from eating 25 chocolate biscuits during a meeting, or having a protein shake, or any of the above, or going away at at lunchtime and coming back all sweaty, like you've been at the gym and people just couldn't get their head around it. It's just such an alien behavior. So people repeatedly ask me lots of questions. And I think like, I was that guy, everyone in the corporate world has that pedestal unit next to their desk where it's got like two little drawers and then the filing cabinet at the bottom, right? Now the filing cabinet, I just ripped the filing cabinet part out and replaced it with a big bag of protein. (laughs) Actually, I remember one day trying to, trying to get the pro- the bag out and spilling like five kilos of weight all over the carpet <laughs> in the office and having to get the hoover out. And that was quite, quite office. But yeah, like ultimately, like I said, it's around the world, which I think is part of, it's really, it's been one of the biggest benefits rather towards me doing this job is that uh, you sent me to various countries so much so that I lived there for a couple of years in, in, in Australia and the likes. But ultimately the, the job was data management in a really, really high pressure environment. Like there was tight margins and there was never enough time to do the job. And there was always a really demanding client and there was never enough staff, which ultimately is the tale of being a personal trainer or an online coach. <laughs> so so it, it forced me to learn how to manage data in a really stressful environment. And it, I actually did everything the wrong way. I, I would be working till one or 2 a.m. a lot of the time and then back in at 6 a.m. and that, that wasn't healthy. So long story long, did my personal training qualification, and, and then went back to doing a little bit of part-time engineering stuff just to was it took off. But it really only took me like three to six months to film a diary. I didn't really anticipate that because when I put it on LinkedIn, a lot of the guys and girls that worked in the offices with me saw that I had changed career and were like, well, hold on, can I actually pay this guy for his advice now? And, and then they became really busy really quick. And I was like, what does everyone complain about personal training for? This is the easiest job in the whole world. <laughs> but the lure of all the freedom that came with that became... Like it fizzled out really quick because you'll know yourself, Ben. It's like you get to like 30, 40 hours in the gym and realistically you begin hating life all over again because your energy has never been lower. You don't sleep really at normal times. You don't eat at normal times. You do nothing at normal times. And when you've got the day off in the middle, you have the day off and no one else has the day off. So you're just this weird loner that's really tired and hungry all the time. So that became something that, I, I kind of quickly fell out of love with and, and then decided that, well, hold on, my skills lie in a digital environment. Why don't I just try the online thing despite the industry standard being you should earn your stripes, quote unquote, in the gym, do X thousand hours of on-floor PT. But it's like, well, hold on, I've done the X thousand hours of on-floor training. I have done a lot of PT now and I should really use, utilize the skill set that I have. So I did a hybrid model and it probably only took me another year and a half to move fully online. Um, to which point that has just gone from strength to strength. And then the last chapter in that, which I'll keep brief because I've been talking for 45 minutes, is, <laughs> uh, is, is obviously moving into a coach mentorship capacity where for the last three or four years, coaches have been asking me, like, you know, can I ask you some questions about how you do things? It became very quick quickly became obvious that actually hold on maybe i'm onto something and actually that was when the light bulb moment with that i'm good at systems and i'm good at organizing lots of data and that's what coaches are shit at so let, like <laughs> let's combine those two things so there you go long before ever now, there's a couple of things i want to sort of touch on the first thing is um i think it, yeah I got, I got a whole bunch of <laughs> well i gotta go first right so no, no, I'm I think, no, just <laughs> it, 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 like, correct me if I'm wrong here, it was potentially only the start of last year 
that you went fully online. Is that right? Because I remember you having the conversation where you're like, oh, I'm going to go fully online. I was like, fucking hell, I'm nowhere near that. Or was it the year before? I can't remember the, the year. It the, hmm, may well have been the start of last mm-hmm. year because we've been in this house since November. So that's a year now. So yeah, it may well have been the it start of 2020. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, year and a bit. Okay, cool. Um, and my point is going to be about the, the data side of things. Now, Dave's obviously a big fan of data and you know everything that you and I do is probably the same. But the point that I sort of want to make is I feel like you're well you know i know that you're not the industry norm i know that you always strive to be better and strive to do more so the whole data side of things and tracking everything and you know the it's not just this and it doesn't always have to be that way is that like i'm gonna say is that intentional to sort of stand out or do you just believe that everybody else is full of shit and you need to do things differently both, both? <laughs> all of the above i think if you, if you able to look back on all of my school um, reports and if you ask my mum uh, I've always gone out of my way if there's a grain in any form of societal grain or norm it's like well hold on how can I become the black sheep and go the opposite direction so I think it's I don't know if it's this weird fuck you thing I've got built into me or where it comes from but I think sometimes it's like I think I can do things better than people are doing them and everyone else tells you you're a bit mad why would you do that? It's always been done. Yeah, I don't care how it's always been done. That wasn't the question. It was like, how can I do this better? And a lot of the time, like, I've done stuff that a lot of coaches would look to and be like, why on earth would you do things that way? That seems like more work than is required. But the proof will be in the pudding, right? If you're going to get better results, surely a 5% increase in workload for a 50% increase in results, is that makes stuff, I'm going to make that purchase every single time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, as you said, it... It shows in the results that you have with your clients, but it also shows in the being that guy that people were coming to that maybe they did question at the start, but they're like, so uh, can you tell me a bit more about what you're doing there with Notion or something? And you're like, yeah, okay, but now you're going to have to pay me for it. And now I can actually mentor um, you as, as a coach. So, I mean, I, I learn from you every single day. So it's definitely, definitely working. In terms of the like going against the grain, again, can relate. And I, if anybody hasn't realized by now, there's a lot of similarities in in me and Matt and everything that we do, yeah. so yes, freaking out. Like, am I on the call with two bands? Like, where's is cardboard? This, is this two bands? Like, is it? <laughs> but yeah, so right, Dave, over to you. You feel like you haven't really had your chance, so. Well, I can, first of all, I can see where Ben gets his organization from. Like, Ben is probably the most structured and organized person I think I've ever met. Like, I mean, to the point of he spent, I think, three days rewiring his house, uh, his his, his uh, TV screen or his, his monitor for his computer. And he's like, I don't like where the cables are here, so I'm going to redo everything again. But that's, that's like the reason like for that days. as well. Like, he is the reason for that. He's like, oh, the, the, the cable's hanging out there. I'm like, fuck you. Take the whole thing apart. Start again. Do you do you also have like mood lighting as well in your uh, in your in your? Yeah, I can see some mood lighting up on. Yeah, see, listen to this. You, you guys are like literally like like exact clone DNA clones of one another here. So, um, no, but one thing one thing that I really appreciated um, you talking about was. Um, you know, uh, your, your shift to move to be happy, right? Like you were in a job where you were still able to hit your goals, I guess, health wise, but you know, like it wasn't what you wanted to accomplish in life. And I think that's a huge step that a lot of people don't have the confidence to take and to go off on their own or to switch jobs to something that they'll actually enjoy to do that is more accommodating to their lifestyle that they want to accomplish. And, you know, so kudos to you for, for one, you know, making that switch and, and, and going to something that you did that was, that was, you know, what you wanted to do from a passion perspective. I'm very much in that same category. 
But the one thing that I really liked uh, you to hear is that when you first started, you know, that that entrepreneurial or first time CEO thing as you're going through it really sucks, right? Because like you're like, it's like it's literally make or break. Like if you don't put in a thousand hours a week, you're going to fail at it, right? You know, until you get to a point to where you can manage it and then you start to tweak it to make it better for yourself. So, I mean, like, how did you, how did you make that understanding? Like for me, when I first started in my company, Trusted Sec, like hiring that first employee was like my, the hardest thing for me to do. Cause I'm like, oh shit, I have to have health insurance. I have to actually pay people. I have to do this. I have to have like HR stuff, you know, like I can't just like find something on Google and use it as a reference, you know? So, you know, what, what, you know, for you, what, what made you want to spend more time converting yourself over from being in the gym all the time, doing personal training to being more of an online coach and, and then coaching other coaches as well to make that, that shift, knowing that you probably are going to have to put in an, an additional hundred percent of what you're already putting into in order to eventually wean it down a bit. Right. For sure. Good question. And thanks for being so kind to me. I think that, I think I want to touch on the first point that you, you made before I move on to that last part. And I think that it's like, this sounds like dead profound, but I, I think it's only with hindsight that I have the kind of insight now that I think a lot, the reason why a lot of people reach for like hedonistic tendencies, like getting smashed at the weekend and, and taking all kinds of party drugs and all the rest of it, like the normal, the normal people of the world is because they lack the euthanistic thing in their life that is like purpose like so we end up doing a job and then you know i know who do i think i'm like mahatma gandhi over here but <laughs> i think like people get so caught up in that like lack of eudonism they, they just think that's the norm because this is what I, I do because it's what i fell into they lack anything eudonistic so they replace the lack of eudonism with like this massive hedonism which is work hard play harder what does that even mean so I think, like, I realized I was doing exactly that. Like, I'm not stuck. You stood here on a pedestal looking down on the normal people. I was doing that exactly that. I was, Sarah finds it really bizarre, my wife to be, that I was ever in a position where I would go out and get smashed at the weekend, like, absolutely destroyed every weekend. And she's like, I, I don't think I've seen you ever have more than two pints. I'm like, yeah, because I have so much eudonism with purpose in terms of what I'm aiming for and building something with some purpose now. And, and I feel like this is like what I'm here for. I don't need it because I'm fulfilled as it is. So I think that's an important point is that it's it, it, purpose it, it, is huge. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And then I think like the second thing, you know, being the first time CEO or however you worded it there in terms of like, you know, you've got to go another hundred percent. I think like one thing that I think we can't ignore. And the reason why all three of us are doing our own thing is, is a work ethic thing. And I, I think that that is inherently in someone. Like, even when I worked, Sarah will talk to me about this a lot. She's like, you know, I find it really hard to believe you would sit at your desk until 3 a.m. because you're completely intolerant of other people's failings normally. So why would you sit in the office and pick up the slack for the rest of the team? It's like, because I had to carry something, not, like, no one else would do it if it wasn't done and we'd be letting it down. So I've always had this work ethic, which I think probably comes from my dad. Um, he's been serial entrepreneur so i suppose it's like you just see that willingness to put in the extra hours but i think again tying those two together when there is that certitude and that purpose putting in the extra work actually like ben and i have this chat we'll be we'll be on, we'll be on whatsapp it's ridiculous time of night or it's saturday morning and we've just worked however many hours and you're doing more but i love it like i wouldn't change it so i feel like when it doesn't feel like work you're all yep. good right oh yeah 
Yeah, when it, when it doesn't feel like work, you know, like for, for me, uh, starting my own company, it was, you know, like I love cybersecurity. It's like my, my thing. I love, you know, playing on the computer and messing with things and breaking stuff. And, and that's always like my, my hobby. Like when I, when I would, you know, get off of work, I would go and I'd figure out code and stuff like that. That's just what, you know, was, was fun for me. Granted, I understand that's probably, you know, like not what you would think you'd consider fun. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, re- rewiring my, my monitor for three days is not my idea. So, you know, it's like, you know, we have different, different perspectives, but, uh, you know, for me, uh, finding my purpose was, was a big thing. And I was, you know, I was working, I was, uh, 28 years old. I was working for a really big fortune 1000 company. I was one of the youngest vice presidents in, in the history of that company. And I had a great job, you know, super stable, didn't have to worry about a thing, but I hated working for one single company and coming in and coming out and always traveling and all the stressors that came along with it. And uh, one day I went to my wife and I said, hey, uh, I want to start my own company in the basement of my house. What do you think? And my wife's like, I think you're crazy. We just have twins, but uh, we'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, you know, you chase your dream, you, ch- you trust your gut and you trust your purpose, I think is the, the big, big piece here. You know, everything else kind of falls in line because you should be, you should want to believe in yourself that you can be successful at whatever you do. And if you're not happy in your life and you're missing that purpose, then you're absolutely right. You're not going to you know, feel fulfilled. So you're going out and you're getting trashed every weekend or you're not, you know, investing time in yourself to live longer for your kids, your family, like all of that stuff starts to fall, you know, out of whack. And I think, you know, you, you did a really good job of, of being able to, to recognize that and go forward. I had this, I had this conversation yesterday. Um, I was with two people and they were complaining about, oh, you know, I don't want to go back to work. And I was like, I fucking love work. I love yeah. working. I'm like, I know people will look at you like you're crazy and maybe we are, but I, I'm like, you both know this. Like, I just fucking love working. And you, you, the reason that I actually wanted to bring this up is because you touched on on your Instagram story earlier on that about you, you go through these phases of, right. Okay. Like you stabilize and then you go, right. I want to take it to the next level and you just fucking do it. And yes, it's tough. And yes, you put the hours in and it's mentally draining and whatever else, but it then allows you to go to that next level. So obviously, you know, feel free to sort of talk about the mentorship side of things and, and the group thing that you're doing at the minute and sort of what capacity that's taken. Yeah, so I feel the point that we're getting at here is that in order, in my opinion, in order to grow in, I suppose it probably applies to anything, but I'll talk within the context of growing a business. I've found that like you, you push to a level and you kind of, you kind of stabilize, like you said, you stabilize at that point. And I think it's very important that we spend periods of time stabilizing at each level, just getting used to each rung of the ladder, getting comfortable, yeah. systemizing up and like getting the infrastructure in place to deal with that number of clients or that number of, of whatever it may be. And then we go, right, I'm ready for the next level. How can I throw myself in even deeper? How can I, how can I make things harder and how can I, accommodate more clients or have a new product or have a new system, do something, anything in order to put yourself in deeper water. And I think it's important to go through periods of making yourself feel uncomfortable. So like I've gone through to bring that back to your question, like I've gone through periods of doing that over and over. And I'm in one at the moment where I, I saw an opportunity to help a lot more people with the mentorship decided that I would start a case study group to see how we get on with that. Started a case study group and, um, yeah, like the, the, the intake, the uptake was absolutely huge, like more than I could have ever expected. And with that came shit, I better learn to swim in deeper water. Like I knew what I was getting myself into to a degree, but I thought it was going to be me. Like, say, I thought it was, it's probably a hundred and 
50% or 200% of the number of people I anticipated I would have in the group, I have in the group, which is great. But at the same time, that adds an even greater degree of pressure. So, yeah, I feel like in order to, to grow things, you have to continually put yourself out of your depth. And I think lots of people are too scared to put themselves out of their depth. But equally well, those same people often will complain of a lack of growth. So I think it's about just like slowly putting yourself far enough out that you're uncomfortable, but not so far that you drown. And I made that point on my Instagram story earlier on. It's like a lot of coaches, I think, can potentially misconstrue that. Push themselves so far out their depth that their client like interaction and quality of service drops. And, and then that's how you know you've pushed too far. So I think it's about pushing far enough that you're drowning a bit. Stabilize, systemize up get everything in place again, build more infrastructure, bring people in, whatever it may be. And at that point, get comfortable and enjoy it for a minute. That's the part I'm scared I miss. Is that I'm, I'm, we have these chats all the time, man. I'm like so scared that I'm like, right, like what's next? That that picture that you and I send each other backwards and forwards. <laughs> yeah. Like it's dangerous. And so I'm trying my best to enjoy each rung of the ladder. Um, so yeah, I think. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. I think this sort of the point, and, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to quote Martin Irvine on this, and he'll laugh because it's not a quote until someone else says it. But I think the the thing that he said was you should build systems to allow yourself to grow, but they shouldn't last forever. Like they should break. You should grow into them and then go, oh shit, right? I need to actually redo this or rebuild it or find another way that I can manage more people. And it's that sort of period of okay, right? I've built that system. I'm going to fill out this space with the people or whatever it is that you're doing, you'll get to that max capacity again. You're like, right, okay, well, if I want to take this further, I'm going to have to fucking redo everything that I did three or four months ago or whatever it is. Um, but it's obviously, you know, like you said, you you had a lot more people um, and you had a lot more interest than you thought you would, but that's definitely, definitely not a fucking bad thing. Uh, and I think I want to actually put this over to Dave because obviously, you know, the, the scale that you've grown your companies on and everything that you do, like sort of talk us as like we look up to you with your business like talk us through that process is that okay you started your business in the basement whenever you just had friends you're not obviously in the basement anymore so what happened how do you know how do you know <laughs> you don't see the gym the gym because i can there. see i know that there's a window here i know you're looking at a window <laughs> uh you know I, I think for me um you know matt hit a couple points of, of making sure that you kind of stabilize first before you try to grow even more because if you have really bad processes and there are systemic issues in your organization, if you try to add on to that with those problems being there, it's just gonna amplify them times 10, right? And that's always been my, my largest fear. Now, one thing that I'm very good at is uh, dishing responsibility to individuals that can handle it. You know, I don't, I'm not the type of person that has to handle every aspect of my business or organization. I, try, I put people in place and I trust people to be able to handle those periods. Cause you can't, you, you know, and, and there's, also an inflection point too, like, let's just say you hit a, a strain point where you're at, you know, maximum 110% and you can't go any further. Well, if you hire somebody, you're going to be at 120% because you have to sit there and train that person to get them to a point where they can handle that responsibility. So you're going to have some short-term pain, but with the long-term vision that that's going to start to reduce itself. Um, just recently, I uh, I got to a point to where, you know, I, I was having trouble handling the, the day-to-day operations by one company, TrustedSec. Um, and so we had uh, hit 100, 100 employees um, at that point in time. And so, you know, I was sitting there talking to some, you know, uh, one thing I also recommend uh, for folks is is finding a good peer group uh, of folks that are in the same type of industry as you, or at least in the same type of capacity as far as business wise, that you can bounce ideas off of. And I was, and I'm part of this group called Vistage, which is a, uh, 
just a bunch of CEOs that get together once a month and we chat about problems or issues that we're facing and how do we overcome them. And I was sitting there explaining to this group. I'm like, listen, like every part of my day is consumed with just the operations of my organization. They're like, well, you need to hire a number two or a COO to come in and really help you out, you know, to, to get a lot of the processes established. And so I had hired a COO um, at the beginning of this year. And uh, I'll tell you, it, it was in, it's such an incredible experience. It like, worked out perfect, amazing individual. Um, we've, we've grown exponentially. We hired 22 people in a month at one point in time. It was, <laughs> it was insane, you know, how efficient things became and how our operations started to run. And then, you know, look at my other company, Binary Defense, and, you know, I'm more of the CTO over there. Um, you know, I, I, I put a CEO in place. I put a COO in place to be able to handle that. And that's 150 employees. And so, you know, being able to grow those companies in a way that allow you to have leaders in positions and you're, you're still the visionary, you're still the person providing, you know, the direction you want to go and making the, the right types of changes and also maintaining culture and everything else I think is really important. But, you know, it was, it was a, a scale to get there, right? You know, I remember hiring my second employee and it was a disaster. Uh, you know, I had the, I don't want to go into details, but like it, it, that person did not make it, you know, it was, they're not still the within the company. No, no, and, and and that's that's a rarity. You know, we keep our people, you know, through and throughout. And and for me to to let go of somebody, it must have been really, really bad. And it was really, really bad. Uh, my, my, it was the worst hire I've ever I could ever possibly have done. And uh, you know, so um, but but you learn from those mistakes and you kind of build upon that. But the the second employee, you know, my my thought pattern there when I first started Trusted Sec was. I needed somebody that could do the technical work and do a good job doing the technical work. Why well, became more of the sales, marketing, and everything else around that, and still helped out with the technical pieces, but freed me up from the most what would be the most brunt of my time doing, so that I can you know start to you know engage with more customers, get you know build more books of business and things of that effect. And then once I kind of stabilized there, I hired an additional person. You know, I actually hired a dedicated salesperson to take the sales and you know marketing aspects. And so now I had a technical person and a salesperson, and I hired another technical person. And then I became more of the going out there and speaking and going to different organizations and, you know, uh, speaking to boards and, you know, grew, you know, from there, you know, building our brand and reputation. And all of those things really helped, I think, start to structure the organization in a way that allowed me to, you know, free myself up. But don't get me wrong, like, you know, what, what's interesting is, uh, you know, some people will look at at giving away responsibility as, you know, you're giving up, you know, your your work, right? And it's really not that. Your work shifts in a lot of different directions. Like, now, we're, now where I'm at is... You know, I have touch points across the whole company. I understand what's going on within the organization, but I can focus on building awesome programs. Like we just implemented uh, what's called a junior program, which allows us to hire college kids and train them up and get more people into the security industry. You know, I can help out with charity uh, 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 things that our company is doing now. So, like, you know, I'm involved in things that I really enjoy doing that are kind of like my my area that I, I, I personally like the most while the rest of the company functions and, and works appropriately. I think the, the funny point there is, and Matt, you'll laugh at this, like, you know, whenever you do your PT qualification, you do your level two and you do your level three and they talk you through the training, they touch on nutrition, but they don't fucking tell you you have to be a graphic designer, you have to know marketing, you have to be able to keep your books, you have to be a counselor right. and you have to do all this other shit. And I think like juggling all those balls and everything that you need to do is fucking hard. And also yeah. delegating is hard too, because I don't know about you guys, but I'm a bit of a self-confessed control freak. Didn't realize it up until very recently, but I definitely, definitely am. I totally can't see that at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <dead. laughs> um, but yeah, you know, obviously, you know, it worked out for you. And I think another sort of point to note is you're talking about peer groups there and people to sort of touch on. I think having somebody else 
look at your business. Like you can be so focused on what you're doing that yeah. someone else will come in and see something and go, well, why don't you just change that like that? And that's why I benefit from having Matt because we send each other things all the time. Be like, well, okay, well, why don't you change that? Or why don't you change this? I think having that is, is invaluable. For sure. It makes absolute sense of having that wee group of people around you. I think the idea of having a hundred employees is the most terrifying thing. <laughs> Just hear it out loud. I couldn't help but laugh at David's saying it. Bloody hell. I mean, I can't even get my head around that. How terrifying it must be to have a hundred people dependent on, on you and your business. I know, but I mean, I feel like you, in a couple of years you might. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so do I. Like, I mean, that would be fantastic. But do not think that feels like such a stretch. Like, yeah, yeah. To get, like, to get my head around even Sarah being dependent on the business was it a stretch? Yeah. Because, like, while like I know it can afford comfortably to pay our salary many times over, when it was theoretical, no problem. Like, we can play this game all day long. Mental <laughs> <laughs> masturbation of like, yeah, we can do this, and then like Sarah came in. She remember she was eating her lunch. Like, uh, how was your day? She like, handed my notes in. Like, whoa, right, wow, gulp. Like, fuck. <laughs> right, okay. Um, be right back. Off the phone, the account. <laughs> into a pill. But like, I feel like, yeah, it's just like it's that weird insecurity that comes with having a business that you're like, just because this month was good, will next month be good? And I don't think that ever leaves you, even when you were playing. You know, the small stakes standing in the gym making a few thousand pounds a month, it doesn't change when you earn multiple times that. In fact, it probably it probably magnifies it. Because the more you have, the more you stand to lose. <laughs> so the fall to ground zero is far greater from ten years experience than it was oh when you were earning two grand a month in the gym. Yeah, yeah. I think even with that, like it's whenever you're at that point in the gym, like we're sitting here going, right, fuck having a hundred employees. I can't imagine it. But at the same time, mm. whenever you were stood in the gym floor for the first couple of months, you would never imagine standing in the position that, that you're in now. So it's obviously just like a natural progression over time. I don't know though. Like I remember, you like this, I don't think I've ever told you this. <laughs> when I first joined the gym, so the first gym was a shit show. I explained the story about Virgin Active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other gyms are available. Um, I, I, um, that's another story. But when I went to the small gym that I ended up doing the majority of my personal training at, I went and the, the, the PT manager was like, oh, we're going to have a PT meeting. And I think everyone was as confused as I was because even the guys that had been there for a long time were like, we don't we do not do PT meetings. So he sat us down in a circle. I felt like I was at Boy Scouts or something with chairs. And he was like, right. Um, and then he like, I felt like we were going to be told to stand and salute a flag or something. Uh, and uh, he was like, right, I just want to introduce Matt, our new PT. And I think, I, I don't know whether they'd done it before, but the surprise led me to probably thinking not. And I think it's because he knew me and we were friends beforehand. And he was like, do you want to say a few words, Matt? And I was like, well, not, not really. <laughs> I stood up and was like, I'm not here to take part. I'm here to take over. I just sat back down again. And I meant it sincerely. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, having that sort of belief, but in terms of like, like I get it. And I remember having some, not exactly like that, but I remember sitting down with who was the, um, the fitness manager of the gym and everybody started at the same time. I don't know if I've told you this actually. So we all started at the same time. The gym opened on the 16th of December. So everybody started at the same time. It was the only gym I ever worked in. Mm. And uh, I remember sitting down with the fitness, the fitness manager and he was like, so, you know, what, you know, what's your sort of goals? Like, you know, how many people do you want to be? What are you going to charge? How much money do you want to make? And blah, 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 blah. I obviously done it with everything else. And I think it was 11 of us started at the start. So we'd done it with fucking 10 other people. 
And uh, I told him, and he like la- looked at me and laughed. And I'm like, "But what's so funny?" And he goes, "No, but I need you to be realistic." And I was like, "I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Like that's you know, like this is what I see." And I don't know whether it's just like this sort of fixed mindset or people not understanding or whatever the fuck it is, but always having the belief that there there is more and you can do more. And that probably circles us right back to you know going against the grain and going against the norm in terms of like okay it doesn't always have to be this way just because it has been that way 100 percent. although I, I really don't know what my belief system was about coaching when i got into it about like like i don't know if you remember looking when you were when you were a junior coach i remember looking at like mentors probably in a capacity that i am now but like the slimy ones <laughs> and thinking there's fucking no way people earn that much money doing coaching. I don't know if it was just me, but I remember thinking, like, I almost felt intrigued enough to get in touch with them. I'm like, well, I'm earning two grand a month, three grand a month, maybe on a really good month when I go good at it, like six. But I mean, so much so that you would probably end up having a stroke if you did it two months on the trot. <laughs> I remember thinking, there's no way. And I just think it's like, I didn't get into this job to like make heaps of cash, nor am I in it to make heaps of cash now. It's just a byproduct. But I think it's a funny one with with coaching. I go into it because I was like, this is like genuinely what I enjoy. But I remember looking back at it, like these people on the beach with their laptop, like, how does that work? There's so many questions. I mean, where's your power source? Like, my battery lasts about 10 minutes. It's plugged in all the time. So it just fries. It's awkward. It's awkward using your laptop on your lap. Like, if you're sat, it's fucking nightmare. Can, you have a, can we have a minute for how fucking hot the bottom of a MacBook would be on your lap? On the on beach? The beach. <laughs> and sand? No way, it wouldn't be for me. I actually, I, get, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I uh, obviously I used to train with JP and, you know, I was like, this fucking online coaching seems easy. Like, he just sends me an email every week, changes my food, changes my training. <laughs> like, I could definitely, definitely do this. So I was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. But obviously, earn your stripes, work in the gym floor, which I'm glad I did do. Like, you know, you learn about people, you learn your craft, you learn how people move, what people struggle with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But even if I look back at what I knew online coaching to be then versus how it's done now, I don't know whether, you know, obviously people still do it that same way, whatever, but you know, the, the, how I, the, the entire industry or whether it's just the people that I look at, surround myself with whatever has, has shifted. It's not just that here fucking, it was literally, I would have sent, I got an email that was literally just typed out with my diet plan and my, and my workout. And I would have had to go into my Hotmail to just write it into my logbook. Like that's sort of, that's the stage I started at, or that's where, where I learned from. I think it's probably like that when I looked at these, these mentors, but I always found it totally perplexing that someone could earn a good wage doing that job and not die in the process. <laughs> On the beach, shark attack. <laughs> Welcome to fitness coaching. You can either earn, you, pay, you know, you can either earn lots of money or live. Pick one. <laughs> At one point, I wanted to, you know, in the sort of like in the topic or in the realm of you know getting shit done and growth and business and and everything that sort of comes along with that, the productivity. Something that that you have taught me since the day and hour we first had another conversation was productivity hacks. How to be more productive. How to get more shit done. Like number one how the fuck did you end up there? But number two, like, what's the sort of, like, I know that you have a, okay, and I'm the same now. I'm like, right, okay, well, if I need to do this, I need to take this this time, do this. It's going to make me feel <laughs> like that. And then if I need to do that, how do I manage it? So where did this sort of interest in that for you come? For the interest in, like, productivity or the obsession with... How to optimize, little- like, let's go with that. Like, how to optimize, how to be more productive, like, how to get more from yourself. 
I think it's that it's, it, it comes back to that thing where it's just kind of like it's like that work ethic manifested in a different way, isn't it? You're like, I've got this work ethic that I really want. I like working, and I, and I want to do more effective and more efficient working. And then you're like, right, well, hold on, I've opened the kind of worms here, and you realise there's all kinds of shit that you can you can you can start doing slash taking, and it's like, well, this just turned into an absolute shit show, and it, it and it doesn't always play well do you know what i mean like i have taken way too much nicotine before a podcast and had to go and like literally shit myself two minutes before starting the podcast not this podcast i might add Get it in my shorts this time boys um but so if, you, if you need to take a break we'll <laughs> don't worry mate that's why the camera's above my waist so um, yeah i feel like that came from like it, that didn't start until i started working at a desk again because when I was in the gym, it, 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 I did the opposite when I worked in the gym, as I'm sure most coaches do. You just abuse yourself with caffeine. Like, you find the upper limit for espressos in a day or monster, and then you're like, right, great, this is actually now having a detrimental impact on my ability to human. Like, I'm not. it's not even just coaching. It's like I've become a, a worse human being across the course of today. Uh, so when I started working at my desk, I think when it was a hybrid model, it's the first time I've really thought about this, when it was a hybrid model and I was only I had like a very small block of time that I could do the online coaching that I was doing, and it had to be done in that block because I had to get back on the gym floor. And that led me down like binaural beats and like that's when I bought like noise cancelling headphones and that's so I'm like, right, well nicotine seems to be the thing. Let's see what that does. Cue shitting yourself. But like I remember going through the I remember the first time I used the nicotine spray. I think I've told you this, Ben. Like, I sprayed it at the back of my throat. Like, like <laughs> you've got a sore throat and you spray that stuff at the back of your mouth. Like, I thought it was like that. And I swear, it was like, I remember just having this, like, like awful experience thinking, like, it's like someone has CS sprayed the back of my throat. <laughs> it says fresh mint on the front. It's like, I don't know who made this, but they've never tasted mint. It tastes more to me like someone put a packet, like a 20 deck of fags half a packet of chilies and sprayed some CS gas in a blender and called it freshman to stretch. I think like, you know, I think the necessity to get stuff done efficiently kind of was born out of only having a small window to do online coaching. And then now that I spend, as you'll know, and I'm not particularly proud to admit publicly, like 12 hours a day at this desk, there's even more of an onus on me being productive because there, there'll be days if I'm not productive that it, that's 12 hours of just, you could have done it in 10. And that pisses me off as I'm sure it probably does you, but you're like, well, what, where did the two hours go? You don't have anything to show for it. You have nothing to show for it. You have no idea where it went. It just slipped into the ether. And usually it's on fucking Instagram because you were just scrolling nonsense. But I, this is the point that I made to you earlier on. You know what I mean? Like you, for me, anyway, I don't know whether it's a like focus on the single thing. Like I, I'm not a have loads of tabs open kind of guy. But you know, we know the things that we can take to help us focus and be more productive and whatever else. But sometimes, if I get distracted by something like I did today, I'm a fucking goner, and those hours are, are completely written off. But you know, it, you're talking about nicotine. Like it started with nicotine, but every couple of weeks, you'll send me a link, then like just ordered this like what do you think and i'm like i've just ordered it to you i'll let you know where do they come from like and when does it end you know you're talking about reaching the upper limits of caffeine you've reached the upper limits of nicotine <laughs> like this is the thing mate it's a, it's, it's it's a tricky question isn't it and then you bring in the whole question of morality as well like where people start to feel really weird about it and like for like and also you gotta consider like obviously my dad can't just be sitting here like a fucking chemist 
don't know. It's like it's a strange one for me. Like for me, it's like day to day. It's like nicotine is is the one for me because I think I'm far newer to it than I am. Like I've got. 17, 18 years of caffeine abuse in my system. Like, it's, it's nothing. Whereas, like, nicotine's still a relatively new drug in terms of it's only a couple of years in for me. So I, if I use it sparingly, plus its half-life is, is less. So I can use it slightly later in the day and break that cur- curfew a little bit. Do you want to explain right. for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, like, that you're not just fucking smoking fags out the back and then coming in and, and doing some work? Like, the process of why you take nicotine and what it does... Yeah, so I think like nicotine, smoking fags, smoking cigarettes is retarded, like completely stupid. Like you should not be doing it. There are literally 10 different better ways to get nicotine into your body than smoking a cigarette. They come with none to almost none of the health consequences of of smoking. So for me, I have done the rounds with this and I have experimented thoroughly I think the the spray is still my favourite. Like the so there's one Nicorette make a quick mist in the UK. Like I'm sure there's exactly the same product in the US, but only a thousand times stronger and with sugar in it. Um, so, so I think like the spray works very very quickly for me. So it's my favourite. The gum is a bit slower in terms of like if it, but it tastes like shit. Like I don't enjoy it. Like it's it, again it's like it's like cigarettes mixed with with it like normal chewing gum it doesn't do anything for me and then the, the troshes that you put in your gums i quite like them but like i don't know about you but they made my gums really sore yeah. if i've used a couple of days like my gums honestly feel red raw and like that can't be good for you like like do you know what i mean like the reason why people septums destroy themselves from coke use is because it's like not meant for that like your gums are also not meant for repeated ingestion of substances so i think cycling would be the best way of doing it but why I use nicotine is that it has this very similar effect to caffeine, except for, like I said previously, I have a much higher tolerance to caffeine. It has a shorter half-life than caffeine, which means I can use it later in the day. Typically, I ask my clients to stop taking caffeine about 2 p.m. because its half-life means that you'll be wide awake at night. And people, it's one of those things where... You know, I I can have an espresso straight after dinner. It doesn't affect me. It's like it does affect you. You just don't know it's affecting <laughs> Like, you, your sleep is shit. Uh, wear an aura ring or a whoop strap and I'll show you that your sleep is shit. So we cut caffeine off there. Nicotine, we could technically push up a layer because it has a slightly, slightly shorter half-life, meaning less than half of it is less in your system. But for me, the focus from nicotine is far more tunnel vision, whereas caffeine... I mean, it just gives you the shakes, right? Like, it's- <laughs> I mean, it depends. As I drink uh, uh, caffeine right now, so 180 milligrams right here. But yeah, Dave, you push the boundaries on caffeine as well. He sends me these pre-workouts. He's I like, do. I've got this pre-workout super Hulk juice, or it's like literally the blood from Harambe. I'm going to take it. There's 500 milligrams of caffeine in it. I've just had a coffee, and I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> my, to- my tolerance in caffeine is, is much higher as well, too. So, you know, I, I, uh, I can... I, I do stop around one o'clock is my my time limit where I don't drink any more caffeine. But usually I use it as as solely a, a pure uh, pre workout type of thing. Well, I guess so. that, that's a good point to note as well because obviously you always say that you know generally the industry as a whole, um, you know the infosec industry, cybersecurity, is a total shit fest for being unhealthy. So you know before whenever you would have sat up all night coding or whatever you were doing, as I imagine you sat with 
probably similar lights to what Matt. I don't know why I've pictured this. Like, I feel like me and Matt have a hacker set up here, and you don't. Like, I think there's something. I know. Fucking I need, wrong I, here. Listen, I, I feel like my hacker game is really. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting challenged here. I'm going to need to get some like different got lights and hacker some, like, flex going on, and you're just sitting with like That's fucking right. basketball behind Man. you. Like, what I'm going to get the hoodie and everything to get the whole whole thing going here shortly. So, but anyway, my point <laughs> is, you know, I assume there would have been some sort of like. You know, whether it's energy drinks or whatever, like late night and shit like that, like that was how you would have survived. Or drinking. Yeah. Or drinking, right? You know, uh, lots of, lots of drinking or, you know, lots of caffeine, either one. So it was, uh, so I, if, if I would stay up till, you know, three or four o'clock at night coding, a lot of times I'd be having bourbon or whatever just to kind of, you know, uh, drink while I'm coding. Sometimes I'd wake up and, and uh, code some magic stuff that I never even realized I could code. Uh, you know, I still remember how I did it. Um, there's still parts of my code and some of my, my, my toolkits. I'm like, I have no idea how I wrote this. But, um, but you know, uh, uh, but a lot of caffeine would be one if you, know, if you want to stay up all night, don't want to, don't want to drink. So a lot of uh, very unhealthy um, components to, to – and that, that's not just me, by the way. That's like – the industry as a whole, you know, drinks, you know, heavily, you know, heavily alcohol abuse, uh, as well as um, just drinking massive amounts of copious amounts of caffeine, you know, throughout the day, throughout the night, and to keep you kind of going throughout the, the night as well. I think it would be a terrible industry for me to find myself in, because what you're telling me, it's like, it's almost like a dick measuring contest to see who stayed up the latest, who has the most healthy on relationship with yep. with food, junk food, caffeine. Yep. I've been like, I don't fucking definitely want to win that. Like, I'd be like, I've been up for five days. <laughs> Well, you have to you have to kind of think conceptually how this whole industry started, right? It was a bunch of, you know, kids in their basements, you know, spending nonstop hours, you know, till three o'clock in the morning, you know, hacking into computer systems early in the eighties and nineties, and you know that that obviously has changed into an industry, but a lot of those those habits and tendencies really habits, right? The, the hacker culture is very much still alive in our industry, which is you know there's a lot of great things about uh, the hacker culture. There's a lot of bad things that are not uh, you know uh, great as well. So I think it's it's you know, a, a badge of honor when you come up with this new exploit. But the problem is, is like a new exploit takes you like a month and a half to write. And it's like nonstop, you know, staying up 12 hours a day to, you know, you know, or 24 hours a day just to, just to get that thing working. So, you know, it's a lot of things I think we need to fix uh, for, for, for our industry itself. And IT is the same way too. Um, you know, developers, same way, you know, anything that's typically information technology or related to the technology is it has a very high burnout rate. I think one, I think one of the good points to note, though, obviously you were talking about the, the junior program that you're running, and I actually mentioned this to Chris after our call last week. <clears throat> like, you're and I in a position to show the next generation that it doesn't have to be that way. And do you know what I mean? And obviously, you know, with what you're doing with training and, yep. and how that sort of influence and everybody else in the industry to actually make change, like, you're in a really good position to actually change how the industry runs and get almost get rid of those bad habits. It's interesting. Uh, one of the, the folks um, that I hired, uh, I was speaking speaking to him the other day. Um, it, you know, brand new to information security, just just finishing his degree in in, in information security or cybersecurity, and uh, he's like, "It's it's really weird being here." I'm like, "Well, why is that?" You know, he's like, "Well, no one's you know riding me every single minute to understand where I'm at or what I'm doing. You know, you're giving me free you know free reign. You're not uh, pushing me to work past five or six o'clock at night or on the weekends." He's like, you know, all these things that I was expecting to be part of this industry is not what is is what we're experiencing here. You know, I can go, you know, I can leave work at five o'clock and go spend time with my family, and my wife. He's got a you know a wife and everything. Um, you know, I can go go shopping. I mean, we always make a joke that he's always shopping. Um, you know, so you can do those things. You, you know, you, when you have a doctor's appointment, you don't have to get permission to go to a doctor's appointment. You're an adult. You know, as long as you get your work done, you can get your work done. You know, we're not expecting it to not live your life. So. I think we can fix a lot of those those cultural issues moving forward. It's just, you know, 
it's got to be more than me doing it too in our company. It's got to be the whole industry looking at it and saying, hey, you know, we have, we have literally people dying. We had a, a guy named Dan Kaminsky um, that died from, uh, I believe it was, it was diabetes or, you know, uh, complications from diabetes, right? Um, you know, and, and brilliant mind, amazing individual, one of the most kind-hearted people um, out there. And, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, passed away from, from, the, from complications from that. So, like, a lot of these things are corrective that we can do. Uh, I think it's just changing the culture of our industry to say, listen, you know, go home at five and spend time with your family, spend time on yourself, you know, eat healthy, you know, do the the habits that you want to do. Um, this whole industry really could, I think, uh, serve better for that. Yeah. The irony I think in it is like, obviously I've never had this chat with you, Dave, but like, I think like all the things that I, I, I want to echo what Ben said, is like, I would be an absolute nightmare in InfoSec because I think I'd be in this here like till all times of the day and I'd, I'd have a physique that resembled a sock filled with custard by, you know, next Wednesday. <laughs> But yeah, I, was, I was there as well. I was there as well. I was, three, I was, 300, I was 315 pounds. So, you know, exactly, basically. Yeah. It goes, like, it, it, this is the thing. I think that's a really easy place to get to. But I think the irony for me looking in is that all the things that we're discussing that are kind of like the bad things that, that lead you there are actually tools that can be leveraged positively, like caffeine, like yeah. the nutrition and like all the, these different bits, yeah. we can actually use them to, to flip the coin the other way. It's like the dose yeah. makes the poison. It's like, instead of like hammering the shit out of caffeine to the point where you've basically given yourself Parkinson's and you're typing twice, twice as fast, like that, if we just use caffeine intelligently and other yeah. stimulants in the right dosages and times actually you could i reckon you you know this you could leverage people's productivity like significantly plus a healthier person eating better food is definitely got a healthier and more active brain like there's absolutely no way you're getting the, the most out of yourself the way that we would i mean ben imagine we took a week and just had a shot at that industry i'd be like up to my knees in mcdonald's boxes <laughs> I think the well, I think I think that's the point of, of of that is is good mind, good body, right? And and yeah, sure. and our industry always talks about how you know we have these brilliant minds, and we absolutely do. I mean, we have some of the most incredible people sure. you could possibly imagine. I mean, just super intelligent, you know, savant type type individuals that are just incredible. Um, you know, but but their brains aren't working, you know, at full capacity because their body is definitely not working at full capacity. Um, and so I think that's you know the big difference that we have to shift is that listen, if you want to be, you know, if your passion is cybersecurity. And that's what you want to do. And that's what you want to be good at. You should also get your body there as well so that you can be the best of both worlds and, and really fire in full cylinders for your mind and your body. Yeah, I think yeah, that was the point I was going to make. You know, you always talk about these great minds and the, the calls and the conversations that I have with potential clients and with clients, like I'm like talking to these people like, fuck me, these guys are the most intelligent people that I, you know, just like super, super on it. But then there's that sort of like, brick wall that they're like they haven't figured out exactly what matt said that if you didn't abuse all these things you could actually use it to become better and that's i think yeah. where we sort of met in the middle with being able to hack that shit you know what i mean like productivity hacks or you know whatever it is like it's just a sort of change it's perspective i guess i'm applying this sort of perspective in in what you're doing or the way that you're using things yeah and 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 i think you know productivity is one of those things that we also think that we do a really good job at in the security industry because like you know, here's the thing, like, it depends on, on the industry or the, the vertical that you're in at cybersecurity. There's a, an industry vertical called incident response, which is really difficult. And we have obviously a couple of members in the, 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 the family chat, uh, Ben, that are part of that, right? And they're expected to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if there's an incident happening, it's literally one of the most 
stressful situations that you can possibly imagine because, you know, a company's been breached or completely shut down and you're, you're expected to basically burn midnight oil to get them back up and running. Um, and, and I really have a tough time with, so we have a, a part of our business that is like that as well, but we really try to balance um, our folks so that, you know, they have ample time off if they've worked multiple times, you know, multiple, you know, um, situations where it's, it's, you know, causing a stressor. We really try to balance that out. A lot of companies don't. And, um, and so I think, you know, you look at instant response as an example, and there should be expectations in an instant response piece that, listen, you know, you should have shifts, you know, like, you know, similarly to what you do in, in a different location, where if you, if you have somebody that's working 10 hours or 12 hours, boom, he's off of his shift, you know, he, you know, someone else needs to come on, you can't work 20 hours, you can't work 24 hours, you know, efficiently. So, and I think we all have to recognize in the industry that regardless of, of what our specializations are, you know, being leaders in this industry, if you own your own business or you're you're in a management position, you always need to have the focus of your people and burnout as, as part of that and, and giving time out. We're um working right now. We have a we just had another HR individual, a trusted sec, uh, talking about uh, you know adding onto things and, and doing things properly. We had HR person before, but it got too much to handle. We have two two HR folks now, and um one of the things that uh, uh, she's working on is a health and wellness program. Uh, for our company where, you know, we incentivize our employees to go out and do things and take time off of themselves and those types of things so that, you know, you know, if, if, if your mind isn't right, your body isn't right, your body isn't right, your mind isn't right. So, you know, it, it all has such a intertwined relationship with one another and we just don't take it seriously in our industry at all. Yeah, I think actually that sort of leads on to something that I want to touch on. Matt, again, you know, in terms of like, <clears throat> from what I know of how you go about handling clients and whatever else, you don't do things by the book from the start and it works. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's not to take that. And as you said, you know, you've never had this conversation with Dave and you haven't really sort of, I imagine had to actually have this sort of thought process, but for anybody who's listening and anybody who sort of wants some actionable tips, like from what you know about what Dave said there and sort of a bit of a, a hybrid of what you do with your clients from the very start, somebody who basic, no training experience, eats like shit, drinks like shit, sleeps like shit, where do they start and how do they sort of build upon it from that? Right. And before I go any further, Dave, I can't believe you've invited me around. I've never met you before and you've got candles on. I didn't realize it was that kind of a meeting. That we're <laughs> oh, you can see the candle back there. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Larry White or something to come on. And it's, uh, it's, if Dave uh, starts removing clothes, I'm leaving, guys. All right? whiskey, probably... whiskey and tobacco flavored. Whiskey and tobacco flavored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the spikes made a candle. That's what That's right. That's right. <laughs> He's probably standing now with no, uh, with no trousers on. He's just standing. And as are you, probably. No, Matt, I actually have fair. pants on. I'm going to go for a walk afterwards. It's, by the way, Matt, can I ask you a question before we get into this really quick is that you know would you as a trainer i'm just asking personally like i'm not saying ben did this to me or not but would you give somebody a five days uh, of, of not doing any training whatsoever for a deload to relax if they've done that you know a 10 week heavy program 100 percent. you're welcome to that damn it damn it okay all right that's, me. 100, that's the part of advice that they clients struggle to to heed and to take on board is when you're like listen dude I need you to chill. Like I gave advice literally before we came on this call to him, the last client I spoke to today was this weekend, I want you to get your steps only to 10,000 because he does like 20. I'm like, I don't want you to train. I want you to binge watch something on Netflix beyond your steps. And like, <laughs> I want you to just like relax on food a bit. And I'm like, I know fine well, I've not heard from you yet, but I know fine well, you'll be like, what the fuck? This is all the advice I was anticipating. But that's, I've done this, I've done this before. And like, it, 
I get it. I get it. You know, it's shit taking time off. And Dave's literally sending me like videos of him like hugging his dumbbells. I'm like, I'm just down at the gym to make sure everybody's okay. And I'm like, just fucking stay away from the place. <laughs> For sure. I no, listen, I, I, I recognize, you know, like my body was breaking down after those, those 10 weeks I was having, you know, like it was, it was a lot of, a lot of work, but, uh, I, I recognize why, but you know, it's one of those things where it just hurts, you know, cause like I'm looking at it and I'm like, but I feel great now to lift, but I understand why I'm not. So it's 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 a tough one. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. But I really didn't know which way I was being baited there, so I had to just give my honest answer. So there you have. <laughs> That's good. All right, all right, all right. Well, ben, ben Ben's making me do a five days of no, no working out. Just I think myself, so. so. And Matt, you remember saying you know there's sort of two ways to look at it. You can either do the total time off, or you can go in and train at sixty percent capacity. But who the fuck wants to go in and train at sixty percent capacity? It, yeah. I would rather. Just That'd be a problem for me. That'd be a problem yeah. for me. Yeah. I would just go 100%. I would just exactly. stop and just go 100%. So, yeah. Always yeah. Use your whole life, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Always fill that up. So, to answer the question that I avoided was uh, <laughs> like, when, when a client comes to me, typically, regardless of the actual goal, like a lot, like I only work with guys, so I'm going to speak in general generalities, but understand that a lot of the generalities are male specific, but probably they all count for, for all 55 genders. So, I think right now, I think that. When a client comes to me, to, regardless of the actual end goal, they all need to lose a bit of body weight. So even if a lot of guys, they want to build muscle or whatever, like you have no right building or attempting to build any muscle on top of a frame that looks like, you know, a sock full of custard. So we need to fix that. But the first thing, like every client has always approached it from a like physique, body weight, all that kind of standpoint. When in actual fact, like, and most coaches all approach it like that as well. We're like, right, and you come, what's your name? Dave, right, sweet, and you're this way, and you want to be that way. Oh, epic, massive calorie deficit, horrible workout, slap you on the arse, go get a yep. tiger, have a good time, or not as the case may be. Yep, yep. <laughs> so in the way I did things was, and that came from, like, I can't stand here and take credit for it. It came from my mentor, Luke Lehman, over at Muscle Nerds, who, if you don't know, you should go and check out. And he, he basically instilled in me the importance of health first. So what, what they do with their clients is, they have this phrase which I fucking love. I wish I had coined it, but I can't claim it. So credit where credit's due. This is Luke. They they call it least mode because everyone's too busy beast mode in it. But lol, it's not actually beast mode, and you need to do a bit of least mode before you do beast mode. So that that kind of same ethos is is embedded in my kind of culture within the business, and and we use something called the client slingshot, which is where everyone comes in and. I always explain it to every single client. It's like if I was to put you into one of those giant slingshots that they have at the fun fair, they look fucking awful, those things. I've never been on, I've never been on one, but I have no desire to go on one. And they pull the ball back, right? What happens to the elastic is the energy gets greater that's stored in it, but the ball has moved further from its target. So we've actually moved the ball further away from the target, but the energy that's now stored in the whole system is greater. And I always say, it's like, so you might feel like you're not going to gain weight. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we're going to move you away from that target. We're not looking at losing weight. I don't give a fuck what your scale weight does, nor what your measurements do. Do you know what I want to do? I want to get you feeling absolutely fucking incredible and build the energy. So if we, people come to me, I get them to audit themselves and we look at their energy and typically it's like six out of 10, like 60%, like fuck that. Like that is literally your lifeblood. So let's build that. So we'll spend, I mean, how long is a piece of string? Let's say on average, like 10, 12 weeks, like that's a quarter of a year. Getting like, getting people absolutely flying in terms of fixing sleep, stress, digestion, and then looking at like habits, lifestyles, behavior, and routine. That, that's the stuff that we need to nail because 
nothing else really matters until you've got like if you've got 50% battery why are we starting digging a hole from there let's get you a 100% battery and build some more batteries so you've got loads of energy and then we'll start digging from there so we're typically going to take them I'm going to put them in maintenance I'm not even going to diet them I'm going to give them some workouts which are largely largely metabolic so um, what does that mean for anyone listening it's like what's this guy talking about it's like I put them through something called like typically German body composition so GBC so how to explain that is like an upper body, lower body superset is the way I like to program it. So, you know, when you do a burpee, it fucking sucks. But what I always say to every client is like, if you were an alien and you were to come down from space and I was explaining to you what a burpee was, if I was to explain that to you, it sounds easy as fuck. Like, so basically you just lie down and then just like jump up, right? And then just do that lots of times. You're like, that's like, I can do that for hours. You do one and it's like your soul is leaving your body. And you're like, right, this is not what I anticipated. Like, miss soul. The reason why that works so well is typically because we're using what's called peripheral heart action, which is pumping the blood all around your body, upper body, lower body requires it. So I like to train people like that a lot of the time because it creates like a really high workout density. It gets them huffing and puffing and breathing. And actually it gets people doing cardio without actually doing cardio because guys fucking hate doing cardio. In my experience, you ask them to go do something like, really? Like, is there another option here? Can I do I'm, can an, I do I'm an exception to that. I actually like, I like cardio a lot. So. And as do I like, but we're the weirdos. Like you need to understand that we're the freaks, Dave. Like <laughs> normal people are like, nope. So I think like getting them to do some form of workout where we get them breathing hard. That gets the, the rest and heart rate down. We get them sleeping better. We get them digesting better because most guys come and they've got like their guts are in trouble. They're not even going to the loo like seven times in a week. We've not got seven bowel movements in a week. We're constipated a couple of days. We're loose a couple of days. We've got brain fog. We're not sleeping well. We're stressed. You just, you just explained me to a T when I first started with that. So. <laughs> it's like the majority of clients. Like, and I think when you explain it to them, when you're on the phone to them, speaking to them at the start, they're like, if you've got like a window and like, are you, can you, can you see my house? Like you be following me. Like, how, how do you know this much about me? And it's like, they're stressed to high heaven and they've got absolutely zero outlet. So to tie this back to our very first discussion, they've got zero outlet for their stress beside drugs and, and alcohol. So, or, or the gym. And now that's one of the ones I like to touch on with them. It's like, so the, your training is how you deal with your stress, correct? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You're like, right. So what have I explained to you that training is by default stress? So you're treating your stress by adding more stress. It's like, so let's just like, let me put this another way. If you're in your house and the living room was on fire, what you've done to try and put it out is set, set like the kitchen on fire too. <laughs> Like, would you do that or would you go and put the fire out in the living room? Like, I put the fire out in the living room. It's like, so you're now setting bedrooms on fire. Every time you go to train, you're setting another room on fire. Like, it seems like absolutely ludicrous. They're like, yeah, when you put it like that, I don't do anything to manage my stress. No, no, you, you definitely don't. And I think so. I teach the guys heavily on journaling, on breath work, on meditation, on even just like, you know what? Go out for a fucking walk. Like, go outdoors. Oh, there is I love outside- walks. I love walks. That's my, that's my peaceful, that's my time. Walks are my time. And like one of these things, that, I mean, this one's not looking too active at the moment. My dog, <laughs> look, he isn't dead. He's not interested <laughs> you right now at all. <laughs> that's the end of him. But like, honestly, like just getting outdoors or all that stuff. So I teach them that they're the three things, like sleep, stress, and digestive function, build up their energy, take them through the client slingshot. Then when we let them go, like they, they feel like they can diet for fun. And actually at that point, like I put a guy in my story earlier on, right, Ben, it was like, he was eating 2,300 calories when he came to me. He had a big old tummy on him, big belly. We've now lost 10 kilograms and he's eating 3,000 calories. 
They're like the guy's metabolically able to tolerate food rather than the absolute slug that came to me. I can say that because he's one of my friends. I think that's exactly, you know, Dave calls it the, the black magic in the, with calories. You know, like every week I'll put his calories up and he's like, but like questions it every single time and then oh. it moves <laughs> it moves in the right direction. And it's it's exactly that. And obviously, you know, what you're very good at in terms of content and working with clients is analogies and telling stories. So the way that you explained it there makes a lot of sense. I probably don't yeah. explain it that way. I just go, look, I'm going to put your calories up. Just trust me. And everybody else in the group is just like, <laughs> just trust him. And they're like, I don't really fucking know about this guy. And then <laughs> lo and behold, but um, it's, you know, it's obviously the same sort of process, but that, you know, people come to you and you're probably saying like, right, so I just need a meal plan. And you're like, literally the last fucking thing that you need right now is a fucking meal plan. <laughs> it's true. I think that the analogy metaphor thing is, like it's as much an affliction as it is anything else. It can be it's as much a negative trait. But like I think like that I genuinely believe like in my opinion at least that's how people learn. Like every single lesson I give to client or coach, no matter whether I'm mentoring or coaching or yeah, coaching, would be uh so I, I will always say the sentence, so it's a bit like and then immediately move as far left or right as I possibly can, like as far away from the thing that we're currently talking about. <laughs> Such that they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes absolute sense. You know? It's like I say to um, coaches when I'm talking to them, we talk about demographics and understanding who they serve, right? First thing that every mentor will ever do, and it's boring as shit because you've done that a million times and then so you're like, right, okay, you almost fall asleep listening to it. But that's where most mentors stop. And I always say to the, the coach, I'm like, right. So now you know what like the thing the, the the person looks like in terms of on a piece of paper they are this tall, like whatever, this this gender, whatever it may be. But say so we need to talk about their psychographics. And that's the level that I think is really, really important. And I, I use the analogy, just that I'm going somewhere with this. The analogy is always like, in my kitchen, through that wall, we have an American-style fruit freezer. Like, right, sweet. It's like, do you, if I gave you a pen and a piece of paper, could you draw? Like, it doesn't need to be like a work of art. Like, could you draw one? Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, it's just a rectangle with a line down the middle and then two handles, right? And then the ice dispenser. Like, yeah. It's like four rectangles. Like, sweet. So you know what it looks like. Agreed. Like, I agree. Like, sweet. So on the front of it, it says Samsung. And then it says, 10-year guarantee on the digital inverter compressor. It's just broken. Can you come and fix it? Like, no. It's like, cool. But you know what a fridge looks like, right? It's like, yeah, but you don't have a fucking clue how it works. They're like, yeah, no clue. Like, so that's why we need to understand psychographics. And that's why psychographics is what fixes the client's problem. Just knowing that you help men in InfoSec is fucking useless if you don't understand how men in InfoSec work and how their problems, you know, intertwine and then present them. Yeah. 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 No, I think that brings up a lot of good points on, on understanding who you're working with and, and, you know, their, their trials and tribulations and kind of understanding, you know, what's immersed in them. Like there was a study that came out um, uh, on, on mice where they had taken mice that had been out in the wild and they put them into cages and the ones that were put into cages immediately got obese, right? You know, like, because they were feeding them the same amount of food, but they weren't out hunting for their food or being active or things of that effect. So they put them on a caloric deficit, and lo and behold, they maintained their weight, you know, without having to hunt for food and everything else. And so understanding your surroundings and who you are as, as individuals and, and the type of people that you're serving, I think, is really important. Men and women are vastly different. Um, you know, the surroundings, uh, even geographically, things are different, right? So, you know, I think in the United States, we have a much larger problem of, of obesity. I'm not saying you don't don't in the UK either, but the United States is kind of known as, hey, we're, we're kind of the, the big boys, you know? So, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things out there that I think make a big difference in understanding who you are and how you kind of build a plan to those types of surroundings and what's successful. And what I really liked, um, there's a podcast we just did with Chris Hanegi, who's a good friend of mine that joined, joined Ben. And I remember, you know, I still remember this, this day was he'd ask Chris, how, how many, you know, how many, how much minutes can you give me a, a, a week dedicated to training? And Chris said, well, I can give you two half hour sessions a week. And Ben is like, okay, fine, let's figure it out. And all of a sudden now, you know, Chris is working out what five days a week. You know, he's on top of this doing cardio and Orange Theory. Um, you know, he's been able to to reprioritize his life based off of that. And I think it's it's also understanding we have more time than we think in our own personal lives to be able to dedicate to ourselves and our journey for for health and fitness versus what we perceive our focus is right here, right? And insecurity, you know, we we look right here at what's our task at hand, and we will spend you know, 30 hours cranking through that because that's all we see. But what if we spend it out to three days and we only spent, you know, eight hours a day on that and we we dedicated time to ourselves to be able to do it or automated this stuff that took us so long to do, which may take us a little more time up front, but then offloads that's us. You said that to me. I was so. like, how do you get so much stuff done? And he goes, oh, I just spend an hour working in the morning, automate the rest of my day and go and train and do whatever the fuck else Pretty I need it. to do. Pretty much just it. Yeah. The rest I've, of I've, automated, I've automated the majority of my time. So like, I just write programs <laughs> that automate everything. I have like little buttons I just click and it does stuff for me. So, uh, you know, but, um, but uh, you know, those are the, those are the things I think that are really important is that we do have more time in our own lives, regardless of what our situations are to dedicate to ourselves. Right. 100%. One, yeah. I think that, that finishes us off. Anybody, anything to add? No. Oh, Matt, first of all, Matt, it's a pleasure first to, to actually meet you uh, in person. Ben's talked a lot about you um, quite a few times, so it's it's a pleasure to put a face to the name and, and actually get to get to chat with you. It's really awesome. And I know you've been a big, uh, in, you know, uh, inspiration to Ben and uh, for a lot of the stuff that he does in his training program. So I appreciate the success there as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, likewise, it's weird to like... You know, normally when you come on a podcast, you come on a podcast and you're like, you have no clue. Either you thoroughly know someone because it's your friend, or it's a complete stranger that's asked you to be on a podcast. I'm in like this no man's land. Like, oh, yeah, I know really, really well. But like, I feel like I know you because I've heard so much. All right, this guy, Dave, is like my mate. I feel like I know you too, right? You know, it's like we know each other very well without knowing each other. So, Well, it was good for me to have you both in the one virtual room, I guess. Um, Matt, if you wanted to share where anybody can find you, I'll obviously link yeah. the show notes if I remember to do that. Um, but if you both want to give it on the vocals. Absolutely, on the vocals. We spit some bars <laughs> to finish. Um, you could get me on, I'm very much only on Instagram these days, to be fair, at Matt underscore optimize, M-A-T-T underscore optimize. Cool. I think that's us. Awesome. Catch you next week. See you next week. Great podcast, everybody. Take care. Catch you soon. Bye. Bye.